welcome back to The View from the Top, the show about U.S. critical infrastructure from the perspective of small and medium-sized businesses. Here you'll get to hear from leaders of small and medium-sized businesses who own, operate, or provide services to critical infrastructure sectors, the challenges and opportunities they experience, and what they think the future holds. I'm your host, Ola Sage, and today my guest is Angie Singer-Keating, CEO of Reclamere. Hi, Angie. Hi, Ola. How are you? I am great. I'm so glad that you're um, able to chat with me today. I'm, I've been really looking forward to this, and um, let's just jump in. I was so honored you asked me, so I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, Angie, why don't we start by having you tell our audience just a little bit about yourself. How did you come to be the leader of Reclamere? Oh, gosh, I don't think your podcast has enough time for that. But um, I think for folks like me who are in our 50s, um, 40s, 50s, you know, cybersecurity wasn't even a career when we were in high school or college. Uh, so I came up through technical career paths, um, engineering, starting out in land surveying, civil engineering, and then got my degree in electrical engineering technology. And really just, I've, I've always loved everything to do with technology from the first time I touched a, a Tandy computer in high school um, and was the only girl in the class. But Reclamere really came about because I found myself a project manager at a company that was an IBM VAR. We were first in that company. They transitioned into doing website development and custom app development on what was then back in late 90s, the, the new .NET, which was so exciting because it was going to transform the internet. And of course it did. And I met my business partner there. We were under a really strict non-compete agreement. And so we had to figure out a way to work in technology, but not compete with our current company. It was Y2K. It was the uh, dawn of HIPAA, where healthcare was really starting to take that seriously, or at least think about it. And so we started a business to destroy information in highly regulated businesses, specifically healthcare at that time. That quality control program uh, for destroying information turned into a data recovery service that was very well received. Data recovery then led into digital forensics, which led into incident response, which led into trying to work with clients in a proactive way to keep them from having incidents in the first place. And here we are 20 years later, and we have a very nice practice uh, serving a lot of healthcare, government, and financial sector clients in the small and mid sector. Wow. Well, first, congratulations on 20 years. That is amazing. Yes, this is our anniversary year. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yes. And it's great to just hear how your the business evolved with the reality of what was going on in the yes. environment around you. And that, you know, that's always one of the worries, particularly for smaller companies that you miss something, you miss the wave or you miss the opportunity, you know, something happens and the environment changes and the companies aren't able to pivot or, you know, move with. The I've company. just been lucky because my clients continue to ask us for things and we never say no. We just say, well, yes, if. Yes, if we 
yeah. uh, can get the expertise on staff if it's yeah. something we don't we don't know. Yes, if we can figure out how to do it together. So that's I've just been blessed with super clients that are kind of always looking over the horizon because they want to be better and they want to do better as well. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. So let's talk infrastructure. You know, there's, there's yeah. a lot of discussion going on in the country right now about what infrastructure is. We're not yes. going to get into that today, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you know, I, I thought, well, let me go look up what does the dictionary actually say? Infrastructure mm-hmm. is just Webster, you know? So yeah, this is what I found. The system of public works of a country, state, or region. I thought, all right, well, that kind of is okay. Then another one I read was the basic physical and organizational structures and facilities needed for the operation of a society or enterprise. So I think, like you just said, things evolve, and that's part of what the conversation in the country now is. Are we talking about traditional infrastructure or do we need to be thinking about it differently? But for the purposes of today, we're going to talk about the 16 critical infrastructure sectors that yes. have been defined by DHS. And do you, first of all, let me just ask you, do you consider Reclamere to be a critical infrastructure SMB? Most definitely. And if I had never really thought of it that way before COVID, I certainly do now hmm. because our clients never missed a beat. When we talk about healthcare, obviously, it, with COVID, our health systems were and still are to some degree very, very taxed. And so, being there to support them, knowing that the patient care was absolutely paramount, and being able to deliver service to their patients without missing a beat, and, and being there to support that. I absolutely knew without a doubt that we were part of the critical infrastructure, if not directly, but in a very important way, supporting it. And the unfortunate thing was that the bad guys out there didn't take a break over COVID. In fact, they ramped up. It It was a huge opportunity for them. And so with the workforce becoming so decentralized and so many more attack services available, very, very uh, weak attack surfaces when you think about just the average American household in terms of cyber hygiene. Mm-hmm. It has been a, a long 14 months in helping our clients navigate through that. Got it. So just to be clear for our listeners, specifically sure. what kinds of services are you offering to these sectors? I know you said cybersecurity. What do you do for them? Because you also, you're doing both physical and, you know, digital kinds of work. Yes, yes. So when I talk about the cybersecurity aspect of our business, that's separate from what I consider our asset management side of our business. So specifically with critical infrastructure, our cybersecurity services of making sure that they were still following through on their remediation work that we had identified during their annual risk analysis, making sure that our endpoint monitoring and our threat hunting and threat detection alerting was still being handled. It's, it's very easily to get, easy to get distracted when you're, you're seeing a lot of move ads and changes in a network and seeing all of these alerts but our clients liked that we were the ones that were taking a look at all of this stuff for them first and kind of prioritizing it 
and escalating things for them while they were focused on service delivery. Okay. When I talk about the mid-sector, a lot of our clients are small regional healthcare systems and their uh, suburban and rural health systems that their communities are so reliant upon. And so they don't have the security resources internally to be able to guard everything the way they need to and respond to everything and be paying attention to logs and be paying attention to all of the alerts that different security systems are delivering. And so that's that frontline resource that we can be to parse through the noise, escalate what we know is is important and relevant for them, and then making sure that they're then following through on the policy changes that may have allowed something to happen in the first place. Got it. Got so it. there's a big consulting part of it that's wrapped around the managed service that we provide. We're not just monitoring your endpoints. We're giving you the context in everything we're seeing in those endpoints so that Folks who are more operational IT focused can really know where to focus their limited resources. And in cases where they don't even have those resources, they can outsource those tasks to us. Particularly documentation seems to be something that a lot of our clients don't have the bandwidth to then, they know what to do. They have the boots on the ground to do all the technical changes or fixes or address incidents but they don't have the resources to follow on with all the documentation, all of the change management, policy, procedure, everything that has to go into that. So everything from policy, procedure, risk analysis, remediation of those risks, and then managed security where we're monitoring those endpoints, monitoring those networks, and helping to be that second set of eyes for our client. Okay. In some ways, it almost sounds like you're I would say maybe like the digital first responders for these systems. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> you should be in marketing. I love, that. I love that because I do feel that way for a lot of our clients. Uh-huh. I really do. I love yeah. that. Well, hey, go run with that. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I heard. Uh, so, yes, yes. Well, April is National Supply Chain Integrity Month. That's a month. Yes. And frankly, I didn't even realize that there was a month dedicated to this until quite recently. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but as you know, supply chain issues are becoming a big deal. And COVID really highlighted some of the vulnerabilities around that, particularly COVID in, and solar wind. Right. And particularly when it comes to information and communication technology, right? Or what we normally refer to as ICT which is right in the domain of what, what you guys do. Um, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to just pick your brain on, as you've kind of seen what's been going on in the environment, whether it was solar winds or, you know, just other, all kinds of uh, events that have been happening over the last, you know, um, few years, what are some of the supply chain threats that you're seeing in the industries and the sectors that you support? You talked about healthcare, government, financial services. And what are you seeing and and how are you seeing them being mitigated or not? And particularly for 
SMBs or companies like yours who are both delivering the service and are also potentially the victims of some of these threats? Well, I see an even worse storm on the horizon. And I hate to say that because I feel like sometimes, you know, we as vendors get a bad rap that we're just out pushing fear to push our services. But a thing that I'm seeing right now that really kind of terrifies me is what is happening with the CMMC requirements that the Department of Defense has implemented for all vendors to be able to play in that space, to be able to bid contracts. Now, at first, people would think, well, I don't do work with the Department of Defense. However, many of them don't understand that their clients or clients of their clients do. And with all of this focus on the supply chain, now we're going two, three, four vendors deep in some and more. And when we start getting down there, we're starting to talk about not just small business, but micro business. Mm. So I'm worried on one front that small business owners won't be able to compete because they just simply won't have or won't be able to come into compliance fast enough to meet these security challenges. And then I'm also worried that there are going to be a flood of vendors coming in who are going to be selling every widget and gadget under the sun to these people that don't understand that security is people, process, and technology to protect the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of information. And that it is not a widget or a couple widgets, or we just throw tools at the situation. And so I think that this requirement While people that are in the defense industry and supporting the defense industry understand how serious and significant this requirement is going to be, I don't believe that the second and third level vendors to those organizations necessarily understand the impact it will be on them. And I say that because of the phone calls that I'm starting to receive from existing clients or prospects where they're asking some of the most basic questions, particularly the prospects are asking some of the most basic questions that my clients that are in highly regulated industries were focused on five and seven years ago. They're very far behind. Basic, basic things, Ola, like separation of duties, Hmm. physical security for their facilities, And then they may have those things in place, but being able to document, improve, and withstand any type of audit is just not something that that they're necessarily going to be able to do. That's probably one of my biggest fears right now. Yeah, let's pull on that thread a little bit, because at the core of this is a threat that has resulted literally in a lot of harm, right, to to the country, whether it was theft of data, of highly sensitive information or damage or just, you know, disruption to operations, right? right? I mean, it's costing us, this cyber problem is costing us billions of dollars a year. So that's at the core of what I guess CMMC was attempting to address, at least from the dip. So I hear that, that the primes and 
potentially first level subs have been thinking about this for a lot longer. So what I would like to really get your thoughts on about, I mean, the reality is what you're hearing, right? The phone calls Mm -hmm. you're getting. What do we do about that? Or what can be done about that? Because we're we're still trying to solve a problem, right? So Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about that? Well, the first thing I really am happy to see is I'm starting to see a lot of different industries rally around the NIST cybersecurity framework. Okay. Because for the longest time, I don't know if you felt this way, but I always felt like there was just this constant, you know, if it was healthcare, then high trust was trying to compete with, you know, some other framework. And all of these frameworks were out there jockeying around some for profit, some not. But I'm so happy to see there seems to be this coalescing around a framework. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to stand here and like beat the drum that NIST cybersecurity framework is the only framework and it's the greatest one out there. But it is a super great foundation that if we all could agree, has mm-hmm. the elements of everything that we all need to start. I think that's, that's one of the first things. I mean, one of the best ways that I try to explain cybersecurity, security in general to any organization or especially executive leadership where they may not necessarily be tech savvy is your data is the currency of the 21st century. That's what we always tell people. It's more valuable today than your money, than the money that you have in the bank as a business. And so when you think about how do you protect money? Things like you have a bookkeeper, but you also have a CPA who audits those books. Your bookkeeper is not the same person necessarily who writes the checks that also reconciles the checking account. All of those basic financial controls, you can almost make a direct correlation straight to the protection of information in many, many cases. So we have to help organizations understand that the same types of ways that they trust but verify when it comes to financial, whether it's reporting, financial metrics, financial performance, that they need to be applying all of those same types of thought processes to their data today. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you said about as a supply chain threat that the third and fourth level vendors, sometimes micro small businesses are actually part of that vulnerability, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the work that you and I did with the ITSCC. Yes. And we spent a lot of time just trying to define small business. But when I I was just looking, in fact, for a presentation I was putting together about, you know, what does the the Small Business Association say? It was like 99.4% of all businesses fall in the SMB sector. Yeah. And there are, there are small businesses out there, like Reclamere, that do really big things. There are small businesses I have as clients that create some type of a widget that goes into some type of piece of equipment, and they're the only ones that do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we have to start thinking about how are we going to support small businesses in coming into compliance or starting to form some type of a framework. And I think the pressure is also going to be on all of them, regardless of their sector, as we look at things like vendor assurance, where vendors are not going to work with clients 
that are too risky. And obviously, clients are not going to work with vendors that can't prove what they have in place, whether that's through SOC, whether that is through CMMC, whether that is through some other type of third-party accredited body coming in and putting their seal of approval on your organization's cybersecurity control and and program as a whole. So it it has the potential to really knock very otherwise qualified businesses out of the running for really critical products and services that the biggest companies in our world rely on. Right. And wow, there's so much there. I mean, on one level, you certainly don't want compliance to be substituted for security, right? Exactly. All companies, you know, paying a lot of money to be in quotes compliant, but not necessarily secure. And then on the you also have the larger companies really struggling with this because they a lot of times don't have visibility beyond the first or second level. Uh, yeah, supply chain. Yes. So it's coming from both ends, the small businesses <laughs> who are like, wow, we didn't even know we were part of this quote unquote supply chain. And now we have all these requirements and the large businesses who are saying we're potentially exposed and we don't even know it. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of work there, but I, that's fascinating to me, the whole idea of the micro businesses and how they fit into this conversation as well. Sure. Wow. Well, Believe it or not, we're on the back end of our conversation. So <laughs> let me. I could talk with you forever. I could talk with you forever. I've enjoyed working with you so much on the committee and the working groups. So it was great to have this kind of time just to talk with you. Yeah, I know. I mean, what do they say? Small but mighty impact, right? We're <laughs> small yes. businesses, but with a big yes. impact. So yeah, it's it's great to be able to work with other small um, and medium sized companies who really have a passion for this and get it and understand kind of mm-hmm. why it matters. So that, that's awesome. Yeah. Let me I ask agree. you about a little bit about kind of your journey as a leader, as you reflect back, what are some of the best resources that have helped you along the way to, to be where you are today? Well, I would not be where I am today if it were not for ISACA and being able to get certified to prove what it is I know at a time when there were no cybersecurity degrees, there were no no other ways to really prove that you measured up. And so their certification programs, I'm biased because I'm a CISA and a CISM through ISACA and CRISC. I believe that those types of professional certifications that require demonstrated work history along with continuing education. That is absolutely crucial to stay on top of things in our business. ISACA was invaluable to me. And then I also look at other female entrepreneurs and female executives that just, I don't even know that some of them ever knew that they were having such an impact on me at the time. But I think one of the most important things is kind of, you know, when you're looking to be a leader or trying to continue to be a better leader is just look for good people and pick up everything and absorb everything you possibly can from them. So I'm just, I feel like I stand on the 
the shoulders of all of these women in tech mm. and women business leaders that have come into my sphere of influence in ways that they probably didn't even know they touched me. So professionally from an organization, yes, ISACA, and then really just having, making sure I had a really good network of people that kind of knew what I was going through, either as a business owner or a woman in, in tech or engineering at that point in my career. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I didn't know that we had this in common. I saw that. So I'm all, I also have the C-risk um, okay. certification. <laughs> it is. It really is a very valuable tool. So shout out to Asaka. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And also women in technology. Are you familiar with that organization? It's actually called. I am not. Yeah. I am not. I am not. I'm writing that down. Yeah. And it's, and that's their entire focus is really kind of supporting and assisting women in technology. So. Yeah. Well, I, I also sat on the board for um, an association, a global trade association for information destruction and information storage, formerly known as NAID, then merged and now known as iSigma, which is the International Secure Information Management and Governance Association. Okay. And at our most recent um, online conference, we actually did a coffee talk about women in leadership. And it was just an incredible session to share and learn from each other. And I didn't always appreciate that when I was a younger woman of reaching out and getting involved in those types of things. Mm -hmm. And now my son is raised, he's off, he's in the army, he's a second lieutenant. And now I feel like my life has opened up in a way that now I feel like I can start to give back more. Oh. And so women in leadership, women in tech, women business owners in general, it's just something I'm, those are just things I'm very passionate about. Oh, that's so great. And I know that a lot of women would benefit from your experience, your passion, your just, yeah. I always learn more when I'm involved in things like that than I ever give. I mean, no matter how much that's I give, true. I always get back so that's much more. True. That is so true. That's true. And it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Yes. So yes. this show is called View from the Top because we're talking to people like you who are at the top or the pinnacle or the head of their organization. So what I'd like for you to do is think back maybe over the last 12 months, maybe a little further because the last 12 months have been a bit traumatic as you said. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me think about the last 12 months. <laughs> yeah, what would you say would be among your most memorable views from your position at the top of your company? The one word that comes to mind is gratitude. I have a lot to be grateful for professionally and personally. One of my most memorable things that I'm always going to take away from this past 12, 14 month time frame is the way that my clients rallied together, the way that my staff rallied together, the way that me and my business partner became even stronger together in leading our company. I'm grateful. That's the biggest thing. And it really did, during a dark time, show me some of the very best of humanity and what we, what we all do at a micro and a macro level when we come together. So I, I'm super grateful for my business partner, my clients, and my staff. That is beautiful. Wow, Angie. 
we've come to the end of our conversation for today. Anyway, <laughs> it's an ongoing oh, It won't be the last time we talk, definitely. Right, right, right. So for our listeners, Angie, tell them where can they connect with you online or what's your website? Where, where can sure. they connect? Sure. We're reclamere.com. And you can connect with me on our company Facebook page, our company Twitter, company LinkedIn. And um, my business partner and I also do uh, a little short video series we call Data Security Over Coffee. And oh, it's, uh, it's a whole, whole host of things we put out there on our YouTube channel as well. So um, you can reach out to me through any of those ways. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks again, Angie. And we'll be talking. I appreciate your time today. I really do. And um, you you be well. And thank you so much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure.